When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Corey Crenshaw, and this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave on the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. Uh, unfortunately, Richie is rooting against the home team of the Arizona Cardinals um, in LA right now. So he can't be with us. What a traitor um, to, <laughs> to fill in for him is once again, my wonderful and amazing fiance and uh, an old ASU ACHA hockey player. So we'll come into play in one of our topics that we're going to have later on today. Scotty for how you doing? I'm doing good. I feel like that's the reason why I was brought into this podcast was my elite knowledge of hockey. Um, Club hockey really prepared me to know everything about hockey. So that's why I'm here. Also, Richie is a big LA fan of every sport, not just uh, the Rams. He's also a Kings fan as well. So if the Kings podcast wants another host, Richie may be available to do two podcasts because he loves LA and LA sports. He also is a big Dodgers fan. So Congratulations, Richie. I hope you enjoy your trip to LA. Best of luck. He's also rooting against ASU in the ASU UCLA game. <laughs> See, yeah, like that's the thing is Richie has turned into like a Southern California kid at this point. And it doesn't make much sense, but he just loves Southern California, specifically the LA area. <laughs> If you can't tell, we're we're highly sarcastic. Oh, no, I'm dead serious. He just really likes the Rams, and we just really like giving him shit about it. It uh, it wasn't as dangerous of a fandom when, uh, when, you know, they were the St. Louis Rams, but then when they became the L.A. Rams and they all of a sudden started playing in the same division as the Cardinals, it became slightly toxic. Yeah, it did. It, it was against his values because Richie was never a big LA fan. And then once the, the Rams went over, it kind of tore him a little bit. But he's embraced the city of LA. He's also a LeBron fan, I think, too, now. He's getting a LeBron jersey. Yeah, big, big Lakers guy. <laughs> big Lakers guy now. <laughs> but he doesn't have LeBron's name. It just says, I love LA as the name. <laughs> Everything LA. Oh. LA all day, every day. Ooh. Oh my God, that's hilarious. He's going to hate this so much. <laughs> I will admit though, he sent us a picture of him at SoFi Stadium and it did look like it was a green screen in the background. Yeah, it did look kind of fake. The stadium is pretty cool. I love seeing new stadiums. If it's hockey, football, baseball, new stands are always fun to, fun to look at. And that's what we hope the Coyotes eventually get one of these days. But in the meantime, <laughs> maybe not so close. 
Well, actually, speaking of uh, new arenas, it's funny, we're going to actually talk about this later in the show, but why don't we go straight into it and start talking about the fact that ASU Hockey won their first uh, game of the season, and it was at Oceanside Ice Arena, and it was the first one that Josh Dome got to play in. He he got three assists in it, and so, um, you know, obviously his father was there. Paul Bissonnette also came to uh, watch it as well. It was funny. Uh, a dear friend of ours, Craig Morgan, was uh, in his article and said that the parking lot uh, that is just like dirt, basically, there's the part of the parking lot that is actual parking lot, then there's a dirt area. And he said even the dirt area was full. And I still have vivid memories of the anxiety of going, what if the dirt lot is full? Because once the dirt lot is full, then you are fucked, like genuinely fucked. You have to find somewhere else to park, which he did, which was like, I think like half a mile down or something he said, but it was funny. I had like a lot of uh, old flashbacks to that, even just thinking about it. Um, and I wanted, since you were on here, um, to basically bring up how you feel. Cause I think we all kind of have some type of, and, and if Richie was here, he would have some nostalgia as well because of the fact that that's how we met was covering ASU hockey um, my junior year, um, AS, was when ASU went NCAA for their like first year that they were like ACHA and NCAA combined. Um, and this is going to be their last season in Oceanside. And we have gone through both the evolution of Oceanside into being an NCAA rink to now just being a really, really cool ACHA rink because they will have their uh, arena starting next season. Yeah, I think it's uh, very, I guess, bittersweet because if any of people who don't know what Oceanside Ice Rink is, it's just like any other neighborhood ice rink. It's it's only one sheet of ice, actually, and it's not the biggest you know capacity to hold people. So when I went to ASU, when I started going to ASU, the hockey team was only club. So there's D1, D2. Well, when I came, there was D1 and two D2 teams. And um, the D1 team, of course, was loaded. A lot of uh, junior hockey players, NHL, USHL. And, uh, you know, they, they were a really good team. And because they were a loaded team, when I played on the D2 team, we were also loaded because there were so many guys that wanted to play for ASU. And even though it was club, it was such a fun atmosphere and Oceanside ice arena was fun because it was so small, but now with NCAA eventually moving out, which is good for them because now they're going to definitely be able to recruit um, even better because of the new facility they're about to have and being in Arizona, it's going to be a blast um, to play at ASU, but for Oceanside, Anyone looking to play club hockey, that's going to be an amazing rink to play club hockey in because you're going to have a nice facility that's to NCAA standards. You're going to have a nice locker room, nice weight room, nice training room. So it's uh, it's bittersweet, but I think it'll benefit both the club team and the NCAA team to uh, to be able to move on, you know, with these new renovations. And it's exciting not only for just the state of Arizona, but I think even as a Coyotes fan, it's exciting, especially if Coyotes can get that arena in Tempe because you're going to have two high-level teams in Tempe, and I think you'll get a crowd that kind of feeds off both of that. And it's like I said last time, you're going to get a younger demographic too, especially for the Coyotes if they're building out there. So for hockey in Arizona, it's it's uh, an exciting time, I would say, because it's rarely do you have an NCAA team and possibly an NHL team just right next to each other, especially in Arizona where, you know, even though hockey uh, – 
USA hockey registration is kind of booming here. It's still just nice to see because, you know, this is something you mainly see in the East Coast type of thing. So, And that Oceanside Ice Arena opened in 1974. So if you want to know how old that arena is. Oh, well, that's why I said it's only one sheet. It's not it's not a big rink at all. My brother, who's now in his mid-30s, started playing hockey there. And that's where I started playing hockey because there weren't that many sheets. But yeah, it's an old rink. Yeah, and that's what, for uh, those that lived in, like, Glendale, like your family, that was a very long drive all the way down to Tempe just to, you know, be able to, and especially for younger kids, you have earlier ice times. And so to be able to, as a parent, now that I'm an adult and actually, like, thinking about the fact of, you know, working a full-time job and then waking up at the butt crack of dawn to get my kid all the way down to Tempe to just, uh, you know, youth very young youth hockey isn't as fun to watch just it genuinely isn't to watch that um early in the morning and to drive your kid all the way down there is it's so much dedication i have so much props to the parents like yours um who actually put in that effort when we didn't have all of those rinks around arizona and it's it's nice that we do have so many now so it, it does allow for you know a lot easier access it is good and bad because there's also more rinks on the east side of town so if you're playing club hockey you still may have those early games they have to drive across town for yeah, I I do vaguely remember having to go to Gilbert at the butt crack of dawn for some of your games as well. I, I do remember that from your youth hockey days. Yeah, for, for the Sporty Nation, we've been together for 10 years, so it's been a lot of years of going back and forth to hockey games. But uh, yeah, it it's going to be really cool, and it's but it's going to be really nostalgic. There's so much history that's come from ASU hockey, and we've, we've talked about it before, and I did a big article on it in um in college about how this team really you know back in the day it used to be u of a was the team that you always looked at as kind of more of the the peak of hockey here in arizona and then you had actually someone who was a a u of a hockey grad which was uh jeremy goltz who was your um youth hockey coach and uh he came in with powers and they, they started to really turn around this organization. And uh, one of Goltz's um, mentalities basically in his coaching is his respect. And for these players to respect themselves, respect the game and respect their school and the team that they played for. And um, they really started to turn it around and it has taken a quite a while. The fact that, um, you know, powers has been here for that long and has really been turning it around for for decades now and that's the thing is uh this team to see it come this far it's almost like a child growing up i guess you could say and the fact that it really does have that that spirit to it of this is something that was made out of hard work so when this arena finally gets built it's going to be something that was not um not given to them. And I, I do sometimes feel like outside of Arizona, you do have things that are just kind of given because hockey's more of a prominent uh, sport there. Here it was earned for a long, long time. Yeah, no, I agree. It's Arizona's come a long way when it comes to hockey. And I think uh, ASU getting its own facility is just going to entice more people to want to play hockey. It's going to entice people to come here to play hockey and 
overall, it's just going to be better for everyone. ASU, even the Coyotes, and for the fans, it'll be uh, an exciting time. You know, I never thought we'd have NCAA hockey here in the Valley, but if anyone ever wants to travel to Arizona, watch an NCAA game, watch the Coyotes, uh, this is now the town to do it. And especially, like I said, if the Coyotes get that rink in Tempe, it'll be uh, some exciting times on the horizon. Yeah, it's definitely um, going to be a really great time going on. I'm glad to see that they started off strong. I'm glad to see that a lot of those seniors could come back for um, an extra season since uh, they allowed them to have another year of eligibility because of COVID. So they were able to have a final um, season there in Oceanside. They've got uh, 19 more in there before they are officially out and um you know, because they were they were going around with Big Ten schools like constantly. They were on the road the whole last season, so it's really nice to be able to see them do that. It's nice to be able to see all the support for uh, Josh Doan now that he's uh, been drafted, and also to just be able to see the hype of of Oceanside for like one of the the last times. Um, one of the things that uh, that was always interesting, I always thought when you were in youth hockey was the fact that Gold's always instilled in you guys to be dressing like the pros when you would come to um, come to the rink. And that is actually starting to somewhat go out the window now that we've come into this new age that the Coyotes are starting to create with um, this next season. They are allowing them to not just dress in the normal suit and tie anymore. And um, they're allowing them to basically show their own personality and the stuff that uh, people like, not to drop him again, but Austin Matthews have kind of been, is has been one of the ones that people always bring up as uh, the people who've been kind of fighting for players to have that relaxed feel. They were able to have it during the bubble. They allowed them to come in, you know, because it wasn't the same. You didn't have all of the press, all of the, the fans, all of the whatever. So they allowed them to be a little bit more comfortable, I guess you could say. And uh, it's gotten some interesting controversy around um, the NHL with the fact that some people will always be traditionalists and will always want the traditional, um, you know, suit coming into the locker room. How do you feel about it? Um, I think it's it was inevitable um, that this was going to happen because the NBA, other leagues are already kind of, or they've already kind of relaxed on, you know, dress code and allowed players to show their personalities. I think Coyotes did the right move. I think this also brings maybe more, um, entices maybe more players to come here in the future. Eventually though, I have a feeling most teams are going to turn this way. Obviously the suit started specifically for hockey in most leagues too, was more of a when you started putting on your suit, it was a way of preparing for the game. It was a way to mentally transition your mind from, you know, day-to-day life to your job and what you're going to do. And, you know, the same was when I played club hockey, we had to wear suit ties. And even for ASU, we had to wear collared shirts and dress, you know, pants. So it's a way of kind of transitioning. Is that going to have a big effect? No, I think this will just allow more excitement for the NHL. I think it'll show each player's personalities, kind of like Austin Matthew loves to do. And, you know, I really don't think it's going to be much of a distraction. I don't think it's also going to hinder the play in any way. Yeah, you know, it's it's cool to start preparing and getting your mindset going, but the NBA has been doing just fine and attracted plenty of fans. 
players have gotten to do their own, you know, activism through their dressing. And I think that's just going to be good for the NHL. And like I said, most teams are eventually going to do this. There's no way that in the next 10, 20, 30 years that the NHL is still going to be all dappered up in suits and ties. I have no problem with suits and ties. I actually love them. But like, why force it upon, you know, like it's just a, we're in a new day and age where showing personality, showing what you support is a big deal. And I think this will just eventually, the Coyotes were that first team to make that push for the NHL. And I think it's just eventually going to spread throughout the league. Oh, yeah. The players were getting um, comments from other people throughout the league saying, you know, that they were envious of them for uh, being able to do this because a lot of them would really like to do it. You know, and uh, it was interesting because um, I'll have to pull up the quote here to figure out where exactly it was who said it. But one of them was saying that it'll be really nice to drive from uh, North Scottsdale because for a lot of them um, it takes Oh, Krause said it. There's been games where it's been upwards of 90 degrees out and there isn't an, and the arena isn't a close drive from North Scottsdale. So sitting in a suit for 30 to 45 minutes in traffic can get very hot. And and it's a, it's a honest truth. I know we always like bring up the fact that it's so hot here, but suits are extremely hot in our weather. And so I could imagine how, shitty that would be to just be like okay i've got to put on a suit even though it's hot as balls outside and so the fact that they're able to do that and be more comfy in their cars and be able to uh do that i think is going to be and i think people will always get very over the top about like you know complaining saying that uh you know people will start coming in looking really unprofessional i don't think that's of it you know they're still going to have a dress code it's just still it's a more relaxed dress code it's not going to be the traditional suit dress code but they still need to look professional they still need to some degree you know like they're not yeah, going I mean, to like I guess i mean again like I go they're back... not the people were assuming that they were going to look like they were living on the street for a week walking no, into the rink I and i don't think that's going to be the case no it might it probably won't they're going to have fashion but again you look at the nba and some of the other leagues some of them are just walking in with the shorts and sweats but like their designer shorts or a short sleeve t-shirt and sweats and like they're more designer but like I don't even really understand the whole gruff of people caring what they look like. If they want to come in homeless looking as long it, hell, if, if McDavid wants to come in looking like he's been living on the streets, <laughs> but he's still putting up 120 points, who the hell cares what he looks like at that point? I mean, there's some NHL guys, they're wearing a suit, but they still look homeless with their beard and hair grown out. Like, like, I don't see people saying, oh, they need to be clean shaven. I mean, the New York Yankees used to have that policy. They still the, might. the Arizona Diamondbacks used to have yeah, that. Where it's like, you had to be clean shaven. Hair had to be, be a certain way. It's just like, who the hell cares? Like, as long as you're producing, that's really all that matters. I mean, if players want to take the risk and maybe wear something inappropriate or wear a shirt of activism that maybe sways, you know, social political issues that causes controversy... That's on them, and that'll be on them if the team's play starts to go bad because of their own issues. It holds guys more accountable rather than, oh, you know, we're all just going to dress the same just to make sure no one Fs this up. But as long as you don't see a hindering people's play, I doubt you're going to see 
it's it's like I said with the McDavid example. I doubt people are gonna really be like, yeah, you know, he's a MVP caliber candidate. You know, he has all these points, but you know how he dresses, we're probably gonna not vote for him. I that's what I just I think it's a kind of a, a stretch. I think there's always going to be people who feel the need to keep things the way they are. They want to resist change in any sort of way, and and especially in the NHL when the NHL is still very old school in a lot of different ways. And some of those ways are social change. Some of those things need to be able to get brought up. And a lot of, I think the players do feel like they uh, don't have that voice to some degree. I think the NHL has gotten better about it, but it's gotten, it's been very slow progression. And the fact like this, the fact that only, you know, the Coyotes are doing this right now, they're the one team. And again, they're making uh, the news cycle because of the fact that they are the one team and that's causing some controversy. Um, if it was, um, it's an interesting thought too. I was kind of going back and forth on it. If if you, if it was someone like, uh, the Blackhawks who were doing this, do you think that it would get treated any differently in the press? Mm, Well, Blackhawks haven't been, uh, kind of their dominant ways, but, um, it would it be treated negatively. Probably not. I mean, I don't think the Coyotes really got treated that negatively when it dropped. I think there was more people that were like cool with it. Yeah, you. I think there was more of the old school people, but like their voices are so small in the grand scheme of things that I don't think it's really going to matter much. And you know, as long as the play is uh, top notch, you know, Coyotes are going to have an interesting team. I don't think how they dress is going to change much. But you know, I think. <laughs> We've been saying that Coyotes are going to be bad all year, but, uh, you know, preseason has told a different story. And uh, I think how they've been dressing hasn't really affected that quite yet. No, I don't I don't think so either. And that's that's why I really don't believe that it's really going to, to cause a problem, per se. Um, I, In the end, I think people just need to realize that these are people, like I, all, I will always say this, these are always people... And this is their job, yes, and you always have to have a dress code with your job, but even um, day-to-day jobs have gotten more relaxed on dress code over the years. Oh, yeah, so, especially with suit and ties. Most companies aren't for, you know, more of its business casual type of look. Like, suit and ties are, like, you look nice, but to have to wear that every day or in the NHL, let's say five, four days a week, like, it just gets old to have to do that. Yeah, 100%. So before we get into all of the um, you know preseason talk and all of that, hockey is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any hockey game and $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a depth deflection, however they light up the lamp, you win. If, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any hockey game, and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. 
new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So the Coyotes now are 3-0 and in preseason, which is not what I think any of us really expected to be seeing. And the fact that we just, you know, given it's preseason, we've said it before, um, you know, it really doesn't mean in a whole heck of a lot because it's mostly to see what the the coaches want to see. Um, but it's nice that they have, you know, they were two and one against the Kings, four and one against the Ducks, and four and three against the Ducks. Yesterday, um, we're recording on Sunday, so we we haven't been able to see what happens. Uh, you know, Sunday night, um, but against the Stars. But it's good to at least see this team this way. I, we they put down uh, Gunther a lot earlier than we thought we would see him, but he showed some promise um, for the games that he was up for. Um, they sent him down on the on September thirtieth there. So, um, what are you seeing out of this, and what do you really uh, think this means going forward? Um, so. Two points on this. One, with sending down Gunther, I think it was the right move just to do it now because he was never going to play in the NHL. Obviously, you want to give him that experience, but I feel like what's bit Coyotes in the ass over the years is they rush players too Absolutely. quickly. And, you know, the only one that's, you know, I think Hayton's a good example. Uh, he got brought, he played, he was on the team his first year, but like, not his first year, but the next year after, he really didn't play at all. He literally just wasted time. Like, he got to play practice with NHL players but I think the Coyotes that was their biggest thing and I think now they're just like you know what Uh, these are our players you know we'll give them some training camp experience a couple preseason games but the whole plan is for them to develop on so for Gunther guys like as we talked earlier with Doan's son um, there's no point just rushing them and I feel like sometimes they feel the pressure too early when they're like oh wow I'm doing good on preseason maybe I should you know I'll be on the team but when they just tell them, hey, you know, you're not going to be on the team, but we're just giving you exposure and we want you sent back. I think that's the right move for the Coyotes, for one, finally. Two, preseason has shown me kind of an interesting view of the Coyotes. I feel like we've been just like, oh, they're going to be absolutely terrible this year. They still might be. But preseason kind of gave me a glimpse that the Coyotes might be that kind of band of misfits I feel like every NHL team has their core and a decent amount of guys where they're like, oh, in two to three years, we're still going to be together. You know, this is our core. Coyotes have a team that just built apart with just guys with one, two-year contracts left. And these guys know they're not, this isn't going to be their team moving forward more than, you know, for the next few years. So it's kind of interesting that the Coyotes actually might do a little bit better this year. And I think preseason, again, it's preseason. Who cares? But guys like Louis Erickson, Strawman, Chickren still looks good. They're kind of showing like they have some chemistry and they're actually looking pretty decent. So a part of me would not be surprised if the Coyotes this year did better than what they're expected. Is it what Bill Armstrong and what the Coyotes' future needs? Probably not. But this preseason has kind of given me a glimpse of, oh, maybe, you know, they, they are this band of misfits that may just, as weird as it sounds, put it together and be actually a decent hockey team. 
Well, and that could be part of it is once you sometimes take the pressure off, it helps people play better. It's just like, you know, we weren't expected to play well. We're, you know, this isn't really going to be a contending team. Why don't we just go out there, play our best hockey and, and just kind of enjoy ourselves. And if that's the case, you're right. There might be a surprise where this isn't as terrible as we all thought it might be. And as for, you know, sending all of those people down because they, they did, they did like a nice, solid chunk like all at once I think it was about uh 10 players or so where they had just sent them all down all at once and they um basically just you know the fact that they're giving them that time to really kind of develop that is good so they they on the 30th they assigned 10 players back to their perspective their respective teams um Edmonton in the WHL was uh, Dylan Gunther, and then Roadrunners was Cole Holtz, Ty Emerson, um, Matthias Macelli, um, David Tendick, uh, Ben McCartney, Liam Kirk, Cam Karate, and then um, Prince Albert WHL was uh, Reese Vitelli. Get to know, get to know. I was gonna I say, I give you props. Those weren't even hard names, but I know I would have boshed at least half of those. Like, like for example, Liam Kirk, I would have found a way just to mess that up. Instead, <laughs> like, and well, and then so the then get to new is actually like uh, uh, the QM JHL is um, Man- Mannix Landry, unless that's supposed to be something French in there. Um, I I'm suck at names half the time. I'm so glad I'm not a uh, a oh, yeah. substitute teacher. Vanshaw has some hard names too. I, I, who was it? The mm-hmm. Canadian player coming pronounced Kata Kinemi. Oh, oh God! Now that you've said it, now I'm not going to be able I to know. say it. Um, you and Richie actually had it down, but then I kept saying it wrong. Yes, every time just... you say it wrong, I can't get it right. Uh, Kakanemi. Yeah, that's yeah, that sounds about right. I'm hoping that's right. <laughs> I, I need to. I need to actually. People are gonna tag him in this. He's gonna be like, I've never been disrespected <laughs> more in my life. Than I just. <laughs> I I need to like look at his name Ugh. now because once I look at, it, then I can Ugh. like. But yeah, no, I agree. Coyotes sent down a big chunk of players, and it was the right move. Finally, the Coyotes are just gonna embrace this approach of development rather than just bringing them up. I mean. Even before John Chaika with Domin Duclair, I felt like they did get appropriate amount of time to grow. It just, as you can see, it really didn't work out. Even for Domi, he's kind of bounced around. Duclair definitely bounced around, but Duclair's kind of found a nice niche in um, Florida. But I think this is the right move for them. And there's just no need, especially if you're kind of, I don't want to say tanking, but what's the point of bringing them up and being on a crappy team? Like, it's just going to make them frustrated, you know, send them back, let them get their confidence in their junior teams, their college teams. And then next year reevaluate and they may just do the same thing. Keep them there and let them grow rather than, because most people hit their, for example, Chikrin, he was a great player. He made the team right off the start and he was good, but three to four years later, he is a way better player than when he first started out on the team. Was it the right move to start him in the NHL? Maybe. I mean, but not many players have the development of Chikrin or the size of Chikrin. I mean, look at Keller when he came in. He was he was tiny. Like, those guys I played with at ASU, easily bigger than him. Yeah, he was talented, but he was so undersized. It Even though his first year went so well, 
it just shows. So I, Kat, I, Kat and I have gotten into arguments about this on the pod because of the fact that like both her and I being in the, in the locker room multiple times, I swear to God, I, I really didn't feel like he was that much bigger than I was <laughs> when I was in the locker room next to him. And, and given I, you know, I had, I, I had, you know, significant heels on that time, but like, I really didn't feel like he was that like there's some players that you walk up to. Right. And you're just like, Oh shit. Like you, you can feel like the presence of their size. He didn't, you could not feel the presence of his size. In fairness though, it was reported that he did gain some weight this off season, which was definitely needed. I mean, it's like I said with Keller and Schmaltz and them being pointless on the team because you have two almost average canes. Keller showed promise when he had that Calder run his first year, but ever since then his size has just been like literally in the NHL people cross check the lower back all the time they are kind of being harsher on that this year which is something to note um which I kind of agree with but with his size one cross check to the lower back and he's on the ice every single time unfortunately you play in the NHL you need some tree trunk legs to be able to <laughs> like handle some of these cross checks yeah and and with the with the resurgence of him trying to become a little bit feistier on the ice, I kept on thinking to myself, this is a great way for you to get hurt because of the fact that he just didn't have that stability and that someone could literally just toss him within a second. And so, um, you know, try not to pick any fights. I did enjoy the fact that he had a little extra spunk because they were missing that type of fire last season. Um, But yeah, I really do think it's very um, important for them to really let these players cook as Richie and I have been saying, like, it just, in the end, um, one of the reason why the Coyotes have always had a problem with bringing these players up too quickly is because they didn't have the ability to let them cook. They needed those players. They didn't really plan properly. And now that they're actually planning accordingly, it's like, let your plan follow through. Don't rush your own plan. You know, like if you have it's like any other person who has like, you know, like a five-year plan for their life, you know, you're like, oh, well, you go from here to here and you go from here to here. Like why rush the stages to get to the end when you know that like you need to properly enjoy each stage in order to get the end goal the way you want it. I feel like with the Coyotes issue though, is they were in so many rebuilds that at some point they're like, we need to start winning, especially from a business model. They were like, absolutely. "We We need to start, especially in 2011, you know, all the arena issues. So I understand why they kind of brought players up because they wanted to generate excitement and they were hoping they would hit big on a player. And it really didn't work out. And actually the guys who ended up working out better were the guys like Garland, kind of Fisher, because they cooked in the NHL for a while. One guy we haven't given love to on the show yet and we need to is Soderstrom because that was probably the first, I guess, Chica pick where he didn't just come right up to the NHL they have let him cook and in the preseason he's actually looked pretty decent um is he gonna be on the team this year maybe I mean the Coyotes defense of course is a little uh thin thin. (laughs) it's a little thin but I mean with the when they brought in Timmons and Chikrin and um Strawman I mean they actually look pretty decent it's actually their defensive point generated this preseason has actually been pretty good so it'll be interesting uh you know where they go with this but I think building off where Soderstrom is and how well he's kind of developed. He, again, he's another one that kind of looks undersized, um, but he has such good offensive promise. Is it going to translate or is he going to need a couple of years in like an AHL environment to grow and get bigger? 
we'll, we'll end up seeing you know where they go with that. But I think giving these players the time to develop not just like their skills because most of them have the skill to play. It just comes down to size at the end of the day. Well, that's what you got to realize that these these essentially they're still children. Oh, you yeah. know, some of them were drafted a little bit older, a little bit like in the the, the second round there they were drafted more. In, closer to like 21 because of the weird draft uh, class that we had with the whole COVID and everything. But that's very abnormal. Normally they're, you know, you're, you're freshly 18, 19, you're still children. And for men, especially that's a, there's a lot of growing that still happens in those stages. Um, So yeah, that I think is a, is a big part of it, but also just getting used to the pace of play. You have to kind of slowly work your way up into that. You know, you don't just, when you when you get on a treadmill you don't just go from like zero to six you know you, you start with a nice little jog then you go for a run and that's what I think they miss sometimes is they throw those players in there and then they're like here here's two steps faster of play for you dump you right in it oh and you also need to learn our system like really yeah. quick and get used to it and also the size and let's hope you don't feel like you're drowning and ruin all of your confidence. Well, yeah. And you're asking an 18 year old to play against guys who are 28, 30, 32. I mean, the scale, this example I'm about to give the scale is just way different compared to an NHL scale. But when I first came into play for ASU with, with the size and speed, how I was, when you start playing college hockey, NHL hockey, the speed and size just increases constantly. And from 18 to when I graduated at 23, I felt so much comfortable and better on the ice and more physical and more, I, I wasn't as scared. Imagine asking an 18 year old kid to play against someone who's 28, 30, 10 to 12 years older than them, fully physically developed, has the skill set, and you're asking them to go into corners with these guys and outman them, outplay them, out, beat them in front of the net these guys need time to develop. And especially if they're 18, there's not a lot of guys like Chikrin who are that physical specimen who can just come right in. A lot of them need to develop um, and mature, even mentally they need to mature too sometimes to understand how grueling a schedule. I mean, Tyler Sagan with the Bruins is a great example. He came in, he was great, but mentally he was not ready. No, not and, at all. I've actually used him as an example before in the fact that he needed a lot of time to mature. There's a, there's a large amount of one resiliency that you need because it's, it's hard. It's grueling. You've got a lot, you've got a lot of traveling. You got a lot of games. It's a lot of responsibility on your shoulders. And then also the fact that uh, you've been given a lot at a young age. That's the other thing too. And I think it happens in a lot of different sports. I don't think it's just hockey. We've seen it a lot in, you know, football, basketball. You you take these kids whose whose dream is always to make it into the show, and then they finally get there, and you know your dream has just come true. At that point, you I think want to. You either have two different kinds of people. Someone either really gets into it, really focuses, and wants to succeed, or they want to celebrate some degree, which you should want to. That's what you've worked your entire life for but you really can't because it's just an basically like you just got accepted into a job you need to start the first day off you know running trying to figure out where you're at and where you need to be and that I think is a a big issue that they 
have a lot of times is they'll come in wanting to like kind of soak it in, which you should, but very quickly because you have to adapt so fast. And, and that's what this allows them to kind of stay in a comfortable zone and work their way up to that because you're right. And, and I don't think a lot of people, we always make jokes about things like uh, Zdeno Charna. He's one of the biggest people I've ever been in a locker room with. Um, so much that uh, holding a recorder to his mouth, I needed like one of, I needed basically an extension cord on my hand just to be able to reach up there. And, and it's in those moments like that, that I think to myself, holy fuck, like, can you imagine these kids that are, you know, literally like some of them, like, I I think Keller's what slated at 5'10", right? I'm 5'6", so he, I, I, I doubt he's actually 5'10", but you know, that's, uh, what they, what they said he is. And can you imagine someone who's, who's 5'10", that, and his size, standing next to someone on like Zidane Chara on the ice who is solidly over seven feet on skates. Well, that's what I was saying. You know, it's just one of those things where you got to give these guys a chance. I mean, Keller, like his first year, he did great. His other years, teams finally realized just don't give them space, put a body on them, put a stick on them, and he's not going to be able to get by you. But, you know, I think the Coyotes are going the right direction. Uh, I did see... Bill Armstrong did a bunch of new hires. They added some more strength coaches. They added nutritionists, a couple nutritionists. They added mental health coaches. Um, Which I think is massive after this whole year that we've had. Like everyone is feeling it. They added, well, not just mental health for, you know, psychiatry and stuff, but also for consultants. So when they're looking at players in the draft to be able to do a mental assessment on kind of where they're at. So it's like I said with Bill Armstrong, in this development and when we're talking about developing players, I think Coyotes finally have a good scouting department, a good team that uh, of not just coaches, but trainers, doctors around the team. Uh, Massage therapist was another one they added. Like I finally think they're building an actual NHL culture. And that's something the Coyotes have been missing for a little while now, especially during that Chica era they looked great on paper, but behind the scenes, we missed a lot. We missed a, their scouting wasn't that great. The culture wasn't that great. There were just many issues. And I think Bill Armstrong finally has tooled this team to be an NHL caliber team. And I think we're going to see that success in the next three to five years. But so far in preseason, I think you're kind of seeing it now. And as a Coyotes fan, you should be excited the direction this team is going and finally being in my opinion, good hands and not being fed a a marketing ploy of, oh, we're finally on the up. I think we're finally actually an NHL caliber um, organization. And I think that's going to show in three to five years. Yeah, I there is a lot of things I had to always say about Chaika and the fact that, um, you know, Richie's our stat guy. So he always loves our loves to look at things very statistically. But I, I've always been... Um, our person that has seen teams and has seen, um, you know, them more as who they are as people, because a lot of people, I think, look at it a lot more um, from just a, a team standpoint. And the, there's individual pieces that make up that team. And 
the way that Chaika always looked at the team was very, uh, how does this number connect to this number that connects to this number? And it just doesn't work that way. People are so unpredictable. There's a reason why you can sports bet. If you, if the world was just numbers, then you would never win a sports bet ever in your life because they run a, a, a fuck ton of simulations and figure out what their stats need to be and do that off of the numbers. But the thing that changes that and makes um, makes it different and makes you win those bets is because of the human factor. The human factor is something you can't predict. You have to be able to look at it and go, how is this going to fit? into these scenarios. Do I think this person has growth? Do they have that little extra oomph? Uh, Josh Stone, I think is the best example of that showing the fact that he had that one year stretch of really great um, growth. No one would have put him in that position that he's in now if it wasn't for that one year of growth, but they saw that out of him and they thought they may, that he may have more and you can't just predict that off of numbers. So yeah, I think that is really great point. Um, so right now, as we're watching this, the Cardinals just kicked the extra point and, oh, Richie just said this game is fucking nerve wracking. Kyler is playing, Kyler is playing on another level. Richie is scared. He's very scared. He's nervous. He's nervous for some interceptados. (laughs) Richie went all the way to LA. All right. I do want to say though. You know, I still think the Rams are going to win. Don't get me wrong. But by Rich- the way, we also know that's not the Spanish word for interception. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a weird thing that his friends do, just so you know. Richie has trashed the Cardinals at any moment he could the last few seasons, especially when it came to Cliff and Kyler, occasionally Kyler. Um, if the Cardinals were to beat the Rams, this would be some incredible karma. <laughs> I still do not think that is possible because the Rams are just a really, really good team. And I would just be shocked, especially with how they beat the Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But it would be a little poetic justice, I'm just going to say. But you don't think it was already like a little bit rough on him when he got to go to the Super Bowl and he had yeah, to watch the Rams I mean, lose? Yeah, but he wasn't as like, I will say, it wasn't like... Richie was cocky, like, oh, Rams are going to kill the Patriots. It's it's more just uh, funny with how much him and, uh, you know, with Kenny Crash, they love to trash the Cardinals. And it would just be a little poetic justice. Richie might get, if if the Cardinals were to win, I'm just saying, Michael Bidwell may may send a bag of poop to Richie's apartment. (laughs) Just just, just sit it outside of his door. Just sit outside, and Richie would already know who it's from. (laughs) So... Uh, that's that's it, all I'm gonna it would say be from that. you signed bidwell it would just, just be my poop and bidwell he's like how do you know where i live <laughs> i don't poop in bags very regularly i do want to point that out <laughs> oh richie we love you and we miss you um we hope you're having the most fun possible at sofi stadium i will say the one time that i got to go to u.s bank it was um like a dream um, but I, like I said on our last podcast with Richie on it, I, you know, my dad was a Vikings fan before the Cardinals were here. And once the Cardinals came into play, he didn't give up on his Vikings. He just added the Cardinals into the fold. So I'm still a Cardinals fan because I am from here in Arizona. I will always give him shit for the fact that he didn't just, 
you know, adopt the Cardinals as like one of his teams. I know that they're, you know, rivals now, so it makes it difficult, but uh the fact that, you know, he's he's born and raised here, yet he still shits on the Cardinals like this is I, that's the issue with Arizona sports. Many people born and raised here, but they root for um, teams of their parents. Um, I know friends that root for teams because they did good with them in video games. Uh, that's rough. Um, shout out Fern. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's... I rooted for the Patriots just solely because I like Tom Brady's story. So I do understand that before we head off. Well, I, I will still say it's rough on Fern's part because I almost had the, to try and push him into you... the uh, netting outside of uh, Top Golf, Top Golf, yeah. because he couldn't stop singing uh, the Fly Eagles Fly song while we were at Top Golf one time. So I will call him out. Uh, that is for liking for Eagles because being... of a video game. Yes, yet who he was insulting was was the, the Vikings, and I was in Vikings onesies at a baby. So no, you I know agree. what? There, there's a different type of fandom there. <laughs> But before we head off, since this will probably be my last broadcast before Richard is um, back full time again. You know what? Richard's supposed to come over next weekend, next Sunday to shoot the podcast. Maybe we'll have to have him be able to redeem himself against you. Have you two both on the podcast? That is possible. I was about to just announce my retirement from the podcasting game and... uh, but we, you, you've talked a lot of shit about Richie over the past couple podcasts. I didn't say like, anything shit about Richie. I said about shit in a bag, but I didn't talk like, about <laughs> actual shit about Richie. The only thing I talked about is celery. You know, yeah, you'll have to see how his celery went. But Maybe we'll have you on I, for that. I didn't say anything bad. All right, there's one thing with the whole drafting Josh Jones. But anyways, I am announcing my retirement from the podcasting game. I don't know when I'll be back. Go take a long hiatus, look at my options, see if anyone's going to pick me up in free agency. This is about um, as uh, believable as Brett Favre's like 80th retirement. Yeah, well, that that could be similar. I don't know. If, if there's a team that wants to pick me up, I will uh, join. You know, my PTO contract with uh, Sporty with Corey has come up. So thank you for having me and letting me extend my podcasting career. But uh, I just need time to reflect and time with my family. And on that note, good night and good hockey, everybody.